0: Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Well, as you can see, Pastor Brandon's not here today. He's actually speaking at a couple Bible prophecy conferences. One's in Ohio and one in Indiana. So praise God for that. He's out there speaking the truth and getting the word out. So let's be praying for Pastor Brandon. But today we have a special guest. So let's uh, give a warm welcome to Eric Barger.
1: All right, good morning, everybody. So I've been having one of those mornings, but it's gonna be okay. You know, the first thing I did was I snagged my shirt, and then I recognized, oh, I put the shirt on too quick, and my deodorant wasn't dry. But anyway, not that none of you have ever had that problem before, amen? But I thought about changing shirts, and I thought, no, nah, these are friends. I can look like that. It's okay. It's all right. And I do feel comfortable here, and uh, we are friends, amen? <laughs> but I'm glad to be back here again, be able to uh, help Brandon out as he's out. At conferences, I've had to, had to fill in for others in that way. And since I don't pastor, I'm able to, uh, to accommodate in that way too. So, uh, being that up until the, the COVID shutdown, I was traveling a couple hundred days every year for the last, mm, this is now my 39th year full-time ministry. So long time anyway. Many of you know who I am. You've heard me before. And I think I've been here six times now, counting, uh, counting this weekend, but I am, I am, uh, Glad to be here. I'm privileged to be here. Uh, my wife is uh, much, much better. Uh, many of you know she had a serious operation last year, and before that she had H. pylori, which is a stomach bacteria that was a mystery disease to us. Uh, she was back in the emergency room this last week, but uh, for something different, I think she's going to be okay. She She's pretty resilient by now after all these things, but um, we kind of expect that things like this will happen. Uh, especially being in the kind of ministry where I'm in, you know, the devil doesn't like people talking about false religions and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, but it can happen to anybody. Amen. As long as you live in this earth, as long as you live here, I said to somebody this week, "As long as we live here, the longer we live, you'll uh, you're going to encounter trouble." How many will say amen to that? That's just the way life is. But uh, Again, I am pleased to be here. If you don't know who I am, please visit our website, ericbarger.com. My name all run together with no spaces or underlines. I'm going to give you my quick advertisement here on this stuff. If I don't tell you about it, you won't know, but our book tables are set up back there in an L configuration, and we've got most everything that I usually carry back there. If you want to get our newsletter, you'll see the sign-up slips on the first table. appreciate you going back there. That usually is half our income when I'm out on the road speaking. I've lowered the price of all the DVDs. Uh, we're going to go to uh, electronic downloads and thumb drives pretty quick as well, but we'll keep the DVDs going for a little a little while too. But DVDs are now 10 instead of 15, and you can see the deals, any six DVDs, $50, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if you buy anything at our table, anything, um, then this little booklet, which is very helpful, it's called Bird's Eye View of the Bible, and I have the last, the end of the final printing that these two very seasoned saints put together back in Louisville. Uh, this is a booklet that Dave Reagan and I uh, both uh, have offered, but it is uh, really worth having. And if you buy anything at the table, you get a free one of those as long as they last. Also, I have a few copies of my testimony back there. Many of you have uh, gotten that from me in the past, but my testimony from rock to rock, I was a rock musician, a record producer, recording engineer, drug addict, alcoholic, new ager, And if God can save me, he can save anybody. That's usually what I would say to people. But uh, we have a few of these, and I encourage you to pick up one of those. They're free at the table as well. I do appreciate your support to the ministry uh, to pray for us and to, uh, of course, help us along economically. So you're getting a brand-new message this morning. I have no idea how long this is going to go, but I guarantee I'm stopping after an hour. Uh, I took about a half hour of this message out last night uh, because I I did believe, still do believe, that uh, there's too much. And so I've cut it back some. It's not like I'm shortchanging you, but after an hour, you're done. I'm done. We're all done. Amen? That's just the way that goes. But I do encourage you to take notes this morning. I discourage you from trying to write everything down. But the message is called Inching Toward Antichrist. Inching Toward Antichrist. Antichrist. There is the topic, and I'll explain that more as we go along uh, this morning. Inching toward Antichrist. Now, since the beginning of the church age, we have been moving toward a showdown between evil and good. In fact, it started before the church age, but it really sped up during the church age, and uh, that's where we are right now at the very end of the church age. The power of Antichrist is at work and has been at work on many fronts, and uh, the time of ultimate upheaval is happening now, and it's going to continue. Uh, things we see that we hope would calm down, we'd all like to see things just kind of dial back, and and uh, Justin Trudeau to resign, and Biden to, re. oh, well, I'll just stop there. Uh, but we'd like to see things change. I think it's going to get more heated, because that's what Scripture teaches us that as we move forward into the end times, things don't get any easier. But for the Christian, this is good news because this, this again, is all pointing toward the return of Jesus Christ for his church. Now, the man that the Bible identifies as the Antichrist will appear and personify evil incarnate in the form of a man. I know there are differing opinions about that and differing views, but I hold that the Scripture clearly teaches in both uh, the Greek, and then the uh, other renditions in English, etc., that Antichrist is a man. But it's also a system, and there's also a spirit of Antichrist. Now, and we're not going to argue and quibble about uh, about that, but I will tell you, that's that's my view right from the very beginning. But when he appears, uh, I believe that uh, he's, he's leading people toward what he promises to be a utopia. And uh, once he gets into power, people then find out what they've bought into. In reality, the world is just now beginning to walk into a nightmare that even George Orwell could not have imagined. And by, um, by this time, the true identity of the man of sin that we call the Antichrist uh, will finally be revealed to the world, but it'll be too late at that point in time. The Antichrist is a system, as I said, It's a term also that refers to a man. The word Antichrist itself simply means against Christ. The Bible also refers to the spirit of Antichrist. And the word Antichrist only appears four times in the King James Version of the Bible. And they all appear in the first epistle to John. So if you want to write these down, this is where it appears. And this is important stuff for you who love prophecy. I don't know how. A person could be connected to this church and be regular with this church and call this church home unless you care about prophecy. Amen. And so this is all this is prophetic that we're talking about dealing with Bible prophecies. First John 2, you see two references to Antichrist. First John 4 again and second John chapter 1. Uh, you see the reference to Antichrist. So it doesn't appear, that word doesn't appear very many times. That's for, that's for sure. Once is plenty, but, um, four times we see it, but we see Antichrist called other things. As I mentioned, the Bible also refers to the individual called the Antichrist. He is the beast. He is the dragon in the book of Revelation. He's also called the beast in Daniel chapter seven. Daniel chapter nine calls him the desolator. In Matthew 24, the famous end times teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, refers to him as the abomination of desolation. He is everything that contradicts who Jesus Christ is and who the church is. We don't make deals with the devil. We surely don't want to make any deals with the Antichrist. Dispensational believers, and that's people who believe in the dispensations that God has revealed to us, Dispensational believers also understand that though the workings of Antichrist have been here throughout the church age, the Antichrist himself has yet to appear, has yet to come. Second Thessalonians 2 is a key passage to understand that he will be an actual man. He will be completely controlled by Satan like no other individual ever has been. And he will represent absolute evil in a way beyond anything that's ever come or anyone who has ever come before him. He is the ultimate bad dude. Revelation chapter 13 tells us he'll rule over the earth in a political, economic, and religious system. A political, economic, and religious system. That's an important passage. And he will deceive and destroy untold numbers of people at the very end of the church age. The last three and a half years of the tribulation period is where Antichrist appears. So the three tiers of the last day's utopian system that turns into being a nightmare uh, is being promoted to the masses. And, you know, people are looking for answers all the time. Uh, People are looking for answers and some people want answers no matter what it costs them. Uh, They want the pressure to be alleviated. But we're seeing a speeding up of the thinking of a world government, a world economy, and a one-world religion. Exactly the same three legs of the Antichrist system that is given to us in Revelation chapter 13. So you understand that some of you may be wondering why I'm talking about Antichrist today. After all, according to the Scripture... If you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, and we can still be friends even if you don't, but that's the, that's the uh, angle I come from, and I believe that's the same angle, in fact, I know it is, that Brandon, Pastor Brandon comes from, but the scripture itself tells us that we aren't going to see the Antichrist. Now, he may be, he may be on the way up, so to speak, but he won't be in full-blown Antichrist mode uh, when the church is here on the earth, if indeed, uh, if indeed the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is correct, and uh, I'm I'm really hoping it's correct. How about you? But I can do more than just hope about it. I can read scripture. I can find out what scripture says about it. I believe that's what it teaches. There are others who I respect and love who don't uh, agree with this point. But uh, the most important thing is we want to find out if God's a pre-tribber. That would be the most important question, but Antichrist will not be seen if indeed the pre-tribulation position is the correct one, and I'm confident it is. It's not an uplifting topic to talk about the Antichrist. Uh, it's one that's glossed over or completely bypassed by many of the modern-day ministers that man pulpits across America and around the world. Sadly, they've decided not to preach on, on things that might um, upset anyone, and uh, anything that seems to be you know, of evil or that, that uh, might depress people. You know, uh, pastors are trained in seminaries these days to make sure that the people leave with a really up, upbeat feeling after church. You might not have that this morning. I'm all for upbeat feelings. Uh, I'm all for messages that inspire. This won't be one of them necessarily, but this is important. And I'm going to tell you why here in the next couple slides. It isn't an uplifting message, but many gloss over this, just like they don't want to discuss sin or evil. Talking about Antichrist doesn't make us feel spiritual goosebumps. I understand that. However, here's a couple of reasons why we need to study this topic. And if you have written any notes at all, you want to write this down. First of all, We cannot accurately and completely discuss eschatology and the study of the last days without a thorough understanding of the Antichrist and the seven-year tribulation period. If you try to bypass Antichrist because it might be scary, I remember my first trip through the book of Revelation was a pretty frightening experience until I got an understanding of how it was written and what it was all about. But, uh, you, you have people that don't want to talk about any of this stuff. They want to, they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to be told light and pleasant things. Uh, in fact, Isaiah 30 says they want to, they want people to prophesy illusions to them and get off this way, get away from this thing, don't confront them anymore with the Holy One of Israel. That's exactly what Isaiah 30, verse 10, I believe it is, states. So you need an understanding of Antichrist and of the tribulation period if you're going to, Be a student of Bible prophecy. And how many of you want to be a good student of Bible prophecy? Can I hear a rousing amen to that? Yes, of course we do. Also, without an understanding of this area, you will not be completely prepared as you should be to be a witness and to give reasons for faith to a lost and dying world. You won't be ready to do it unless you understand the importance of prophecy And of course, in the day we live in, by the way, if we're seeing prophetic events take place, and we are, if we're seeing prophetic things take place, if we're watching the Bible come alive by watching the newscasts of our day, little by little, we're seeing things. Sometimes a very monumental thing will happen, but little by little, if if we're the church that's living during that time, we dare not run from these things. We dare not run from hearing about them or getting an understanding or studying these things. I mean, it's crazy to think that the church living at the very end of the church age doesn't want to know it's living at the end of the church age. But that's where a lot of churches are today. So let me be perfectly clear about this. To sound like some politician, I didn't mean to, but it sounded, as soon as I said that I went, that just sounded like something a politician would say, Mm, no thanks. We're not looking for Antichrist, we're looking for Jesus Christ. And when you get that perspective, you understand that we still need to understand what is going to happen in the tribulation period, even though we may not, won't, even though we will not be here at that point in time. We still need to understand it so we can dialogue with others around us. So we can use these things as a witnessing tool to the lost. Any study of Antichrist, the demonic, or Satan himself must never overshadow our study and our devotion to knowing and serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. So don't ever transpose and become a prophecy watcher or a prophecy expert. Uh, I want to be a Jesus expert first and foremost. Amen? So understand, that's where I'm coming from. So what does the Bible tell us about Antichrist? What does the Bible give us? He will claim to be God. He will desecrate the temple that will be built in Jerusalem, the third temple. And uh, they're they're pretty much ready to go. As soon as they get, uh, get control of the temple mount, they're ready to go. Right now, the Muslims have control, but something will happen that will change that, and they will be able to build the temple. They've already made the implements for the, the temple and for temple worship. So they're ready. And, uh, of course, he'll claim to be God. He'll desecrate the temple. He'll demand that he himself is worshipped. He will blaspheme God. He will dis- display miraculous, seducing powers, signs and miracles and wonders that are all demonic. Uh, hey, what, God does the real thing, but Satan wants to counterfeit. And Antichrist will be the epitome of the counterfeiting. He will be killed and he will come back to life. And the Antichrist will rule with complete authority. He will be the ultimate authority that, like the world has never seen before. The Antichrist will control the world's economy, and that's a scary thought. He will confirm a short-lived covenant with Israel. He will he'll give them a protection plan, and they will sign a peace treaty. In fact, that is the beginning of the tribulation period when Israel signs a covenant with the Antichrist. That is the very beginning of the tribulation, and I believe that takes place, uh, could be well after the rapture of the church. It could be immediately after, but it will happen And in that succession. His end goal will be to destroy Israel, even though he's signed a peace covenant with them, but he's going to turn his back on them and uh, actually turn his attention to destroy He will lead his military against Christ in the Battle of Armageddon, the Bible tells us. I'm giving you the scripture references next to each one of these. And when this video video is shot, when this material gets shot in video pretty quick, we're going to do that. Uh, All those scripture references will be very clear. Satan, the Antichrist and the false prophet will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That we are assured of, but between now and then, there's going to be trouble. What the Bible does not tell us about Antichrist is his ethnicity. Doesn't make that clear to us. There is some debate among Bible scholars as to the ethnicity of the Antichrist, and some believe that the Antichrist will be of Jewish descent, thinking that he would, he as a Jew um, could never claim, or if he wasn't a Jew, he could never claim to be Messiah. Others believe that Antichrist will come from the revived Roman Empire. In other words, some place in Europe, most likely defined by modern-day Europe. But we cannot be dogmatic about aspects of this. Um, I, I want to have a position, but I don't want to break fellowship with people over a position that I hold on some of these things that are not clear and not outlined clearly in Scripture. At what age he'll come to power, we don't know. We don't know how young he'll be, how old he'll be. We don't know his birthplace, and we don't know what religion he may claim that he follows. Bible nowhere says anything about any of these things, and while ideas about these points make for fascinating discussion, they... Uh, they can unintentionally lead to a, a mass of misinformation that exists about Antichrist, likely making it more difficult for us to recognize, or for the world, sorry, not us, to recognize the Antichrist when he does appear on the scene. Talk about misinformation, Google, Facebook, and so on. Antichrist is going to pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes in a ways that we have never, ever witnessed before. To insist that he must be a Jew or a Muslim, and there are people who believe that, or that he must come from European descent is either uh, deductions made by humans with information not clearly stated in the Bible. It's their own ideas. It's extra-biblical understanding. And I, I believe some of these things may be somewhat accurate, like if he comes out of Europe. I- I'm-, I'm more of the mindset of that. Biblical thinkers should be cautious of making assumptions and, well, uh, be biblical thinkers instead. So, use the First Corinthians 4-6 rule, and I'll give you that one so you can write that down and go look at it to see what I'm talking about there. Use the 1 Corinthians 4-6 rule. Stay inside the context of what we know from the Bible, not what we kind of think about something in Scripture. Clearly, separate any speculations from biblical truth. And don't convolute biblical truth with personal ideas or speculation. It's pretty simple, but for a lot of people, it's very, very hard to do. So stay inside the context of Scripture and separate any of the speculations you might have from what is absolutely crystal clear in Scripture. Daniel chapter 11, verse 37. Daniel's a very prophetic, uh, book in the, in the Old Testament, the most prophetic book in the Old Testament. But Daniel 11, tells us that he will not follow any religious tradition and that he may not have been raised with religion or could have been raised with religion. We're not sure. But he will exalt himself to the status that he is the object of religion, that he himself is God. It also indicates that Antichrist may well be homosexual because it says that he doesn't have a desire of women. And a lot of people have pointed that out along the way. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure but we do have that as something to consider and think about. What does the Bible not tell us about Antichrist? When he will appear. We know it happens at the beginning of the tribulation period, and he turns his back on the world, and especially on Israel, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, but we don't know when that's going to take place. We have to be constantly observing the times around us to be able to understand these things. And if you're an observer of what is going on in the world, that doesn't mean you have to have the news on TV all the time when you're awake, like I know some of us do, at least more, maybe more so than than others. Uh, You don't have to be doing that to make some observations about what this all means. One more thing the Bible doesn't tell us is he will that, that we don't know when he will appear. However, Bible students need to carefully inspect the signs that we see around us. The prophetic signs are occurring and becoming more frequent. And that's one of the marks of, uh, of how prophecy works. Just like birth pangs, they become, they're very light to start with and they speed up and then they're more frequent and finally they're very violent. This is really a picture. And when Jesus talked about birth pangs in Matthew 24, Uh, What a perfect uh, analysis of this to show us. Uh, If we understand the signs, the prophesied biblical events, then we're going to understand the appearing of Jesus Christ to get his church and also, of course, Antichrist to follow, even though we will not be under his control. After some four decades of reading about this and studying prophecy and After speaking about and addressing this topic quite a bit myself, I can tell you that I've been fascinated but also frightened with this journey. It's not always been easy. It's not something maybe that we want to contemplate all the time. I think the most important thing for us is we get a clear picture of of who Jesus Christ is and what he wants for us, and we learn about him. But we also have to always have an eye toward what is happening around us in the culture to see if the time is right. It is virtually impossible to stay informed about all of the activities and players who are helping to push us down the prophetic road. Even the best researchers complain about trying to keep up. I remember having a conversation with another one of the speakers in our circuit of speakers, and we're all frustrated. Even if we had big staffs, five, ten people or more, doing nothing but research, we would always feel like we're behind. We would always feel like there's more to learn, or we would always be missing something. I realized this fact uh, once again over the last couple of weeks as I've researched and constructed this message. And by the way, if prophecy and the events around us uh, in the world today confuse us or perplex us, don't resort to what that fellow in the video just did by slamming his head down on the keyboard. Uh, sometimes I want to do that for other reasons, but I'd much rather just take out a 45 and do away with it. I'll move right along. You've probably seen charts like this at some point or another, various renditions of the biblical events and the order and how they will appear. Occasionally, I'll see a chart like this that I believe is pretty accurate or sound, and and I've seen many of them, and I've seen some that are completely out of whack. It's somebody just doing uh, what looks like great artwork. At least they think it's great artwork, and uh It leads to a lot of speculation, and it leads people to a lot of of dismay at the end of the day, too. I'm trying to move my screen around, folks, and that'll help me. Okay. So I'm showing you these charts not to say that one of them is good and one of them is bad or whatever. Just to say we've seen these kind of things. It shows us uh, we're going from point A to point B and what's going to happen uh, in biblical circumstances. And it, it may take many significant things to get us from point A to point B. And it, it's not just so easy as drawing a little line with an arrow and uh, going on. One of, of the God. topic, or one well, of the charts uh, I've seen is... Because what he has done, he's brought in This life is Don Perkins, God. and uh, you can find this online. He does an excellent job with his chart here. It is very sound biblically, and that's the way Don thinks. Uh, he is a, an excellent prophecy teacher, and so just to bring clarity and to take away the confusion, uh, if you want to see how these things work, you have to understand that we only have general answers to many things in prophecy, certainly not all the specifics, but Scripture itself provides an ample framework and gives us exactly what God intended for us to know. He didn't answer every question we've got, but he's given us everything that he wants us to know, and there's no accidents in it. There's no accident at all with it. As interested parties, if we'll observe the times by the light of Bible prophecy, then we can better evaluate the many aspects that appear to be prophetic, but it'll also make us evangelists. And you know, we were left here with a, with a purpose, folks. We were left here on the earth to do one thing. That is go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We were left here to be witnesses. We weren't left here just to meet together with good people on a Sunday morning where we feel nice and safe and do a little Bible study once in a while. We were left here to go into a, a dead world, a world that is dying, the world that's already dead and doesn't realize it. That's why every one of us exists. That's just not for Pastor Brandon or myself or anybody that's in full-time ministry or so-called full-time ministry. That's for all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I personally want to avoid too much speculation in talking about this lest I end up like this guy that uh, many folks end up with speculations and they build everything upon speculation. But there are indeed some events that took place, that have taken place, that tell us about prophecy, like Israel becoming a state again in 1948 after 2,500 years of not having an official statehood. So understand that Israel takes a, a major place in this, and uh, I believe actually the prophecy really is, is really all about God dealing with His chosen people, the Jews. Uh, that's the the bottom line. And of course, he's going to deal with them very harshly because they have rejected the Messiah, not once or twice, but over and over. Now, studying and sorting out the questions about this and praying about the, the possible prophetic events is important. But again, don't get so into it. Don't get so dogmatic that your speculations take over and you end up crossing your eyes, right? And uh, don't think about taking out a gun if somebody disagrees with you. You know, a lot of people, they just want to have it their way, and they want to make sure that other people agree with them no matter what. Now, as I prepared this message, I couldn't get away from the thoughts about this elite group of people that is alive today, and many who have now already died, but many who are still alive today who have passed on this tradition of trying to bring the world into a one-world government, or a one-world economy, or a one-world religion, or all three. And many of those people have no idea that they're really helping to fulfill Scripture. So make no mistake, the Antichrist system is under construction right now, and we need to talk about some of these people very very, uh, very quickly here. And they are people that we look and understand are into globalism. Here's a definition for you. Globalism, and by the way, I did three videos in the summer of 2020 on, uh, COVID-19 and globalism. And you can find those on our uh, YouTube site. You can find them on Rumble at our web, at our new video site and on BitChute. So either of those, any of those three. And we are switching to Rumble pretty much exclusively because YouTube is going to kick me off at some point because they're they're uh, they're making it clear you can't say particular things so I can't speak my mind on YouTube and I'm going to go to Rumble. If you don't know about Rumble, you better get used to it. YouTube is not going to be the place you're going to find conservative and especially Christian uh programs from this point on, not not ones that are sound anyway. Now, globalism is a liberal authoritarian desire for a one world view that rejects the role of sovereign nations in protecting values and encouraging productivity. The ultimate goal uh, goal of globalism is the eventual unification of humanity under a one world government. That is a, that's one of the definitions I gave in one of the videos back in the summer of 2020, and I encourage you to go look at those videos if you're interested in any of this. For more details on this topic, I do want you to go to those videos uh, because of, of the, the depth that are in there. I took a 13 and a half minute video that I had in this presentation. I muted it last night and took it out because it was just going to be too long today. And it came from one of those uh, one of those videos, but it had things in it that I really wanted to express to you this morning. But for the sake of time, we're not going to be able to do that. The videos can be accessed some of them at YouTube, all of them at Rumble and at Bitshoot and other places around the internet. Talk about globalism. There's there's the face of globalism today. My, my, my needs a facelift. That's George Soros. George, and you've heard that name, of course, no matter if you've never seen a picture. The most notable one-worlder is George Soros. He's a subversive, anti-American, Hungarian billionaire born in 1930. By the way, he's at odds with Hungary right now. It's, Hungary uh, has a lot of good things about Hungary, but he's at, at odds with them. He's made his money in the free market as a hedge fund manager, and he's promoting the idea of one world globalism through the Open Society Foundations. And so far, he's funded them to the tune of $32 billion. He is dead serious about wanting to bring about a new world order in 1992 soros turned his attention to incrementally collapsing nationalism whenever possible he is the one funding the extreme left wing prosecutors in america he is the one funding the extreme the election of the extreme left wing sheriffs if there are some here in america he's the one that is throwing his money behind them he's also funded the abortion causes the lgbt uh, causes and also these corrupt prosecutors, judges, and sheriffs, and he's also thrown money to Antifa. This guy's an all-purpose funder of the wrong things. Soros' enormous wealth supports the funds of nearly every liberal and globalist cause you can ever think of. For Soros and the elite, as I will call them, it is just as much about tearing down society and then replacing it with something that they want as it is just making a few changes here and there. But perhaps most damaging is his brazen string pulling behind the scenes. Soros has known no limits in throwing his money to the news media. And if he's got the news media, he can convince people at some point in time because they've heard it over and over and over through the mouth of the news media and other sources. If they hear it enough, they'll think globalism is a good thing. He's definitely against uh conservatism and absolute moral standards and i believe that uh it was his money that helped to uh to fund the uh, 2020 elections he tri- he was devastated when uh, donald trump won in 2016 but donald trump did win in 2016 that election was a blow to the elite establishment they'd never seen anything quite like it they they had everything they had They had ahead of them what they thought they were going to be able to do if they could put Hillary Clinton in office for eight years. They believed they knew exactly where they were going. And uh, Trump threw them definitely a curveball over his election. An establishment politician would never have faced the attacks and slander and the phony accusations and even impeachments that, that Donald Trump did. Uh, He and his policies and his pro-American stance angered the one-worlders, and I'm going to play a very short clip and turn the volume back up if you would. This is a very short clip that will show you How Donald Trump stood in the face in the belly of the beast stood in the face against the globalists? The truth is plain to see If you want freedom take pride in your country if you want democracy Hold on to your sovereignty. And if you want peace, love your nation. Wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. The future belongs to sovereign and independent nations who protect their citizens, respect their neighbors, and honor the differences that make each country special and unique. Can you imagine going to the UN? Yeah, amen. Amen. Can you imagine going to the UN and making that kind of statement? That that was Donald Trump. I, I don't think we would have the conflict with Russia going on if Donald Trump was still in office, but... That's uh, that's a whole other story. By the way, I've gone. That's sixty-two slides so far out of two hundred and forty in the presentation. You're not going to see them all. You Can't in the hour time time frame. We've been ex- what we've been experiencing. This is what happens when unlimited funds and larger awards are able to buy segments in the media, whole stations, whole um, uh, broadcast stations, let alone. Uh, places like CNN and MSNBC. This is the siren song of the New World Order. Some of them are real true believers. Some of them are just getting their, their pockets padded with money. They have drunk the hate America and hate what we are Kool-Aid. Some of them have done that. Some of them are receiving compensations that are beyond their wildest dreams. I believe some politicians are as well, all coming from George Soros in one way or another, usually in a second or third or fourth hand way. Soros and the globalist elite are seeding billions of dollars into what amounts to an overthrow and dismantling any of our system or any country and its system who would stand in his way. George Soros sees governments and laws and social order and nationalism as a detriment and with his resources he wants to disable destabilize and undermine any country who is not willing to bend their knee to what he wants and what the globalist Elite ones. He and other globalists are carefully watching the events around us, and they're busy working to whatever extent they can to bring about changes. Pro-globalist elite act overtly. Pro-globalist elitists act overtly. They're they're not trying to hide it anymore. There's one more slide to this. Pro-globalist politicians act covertly, especially during an election year. They don't let the cat out of the bag too easy, but they go right back to their old ways afterward. Now, I'm not sure where I'm at with time. I think the clock back there. Oh, I've I've got another hour. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Economist mouthpiece of the Rothschilds is the Economist magazine. That is the that is the the mouthpiece of the Rothschilds, and this is. One of the Rothschilds, he's one of the ones who are still alive. He's 85 back last year. This is Lord Jacob Rothschild. But uh, it's all about controlling people through controlling the the money. David Rockefeller, there could not be a globalist movement without David Rockefeller having done what he did. He passed away in 2017. But in modern times, he has been the go-to, I almost said go-to face, but once again, just like George Soros. Zwydny so Brzezinski was one of the mouthpieces of the New World Order and of those people who wanted globalism to come in. He was President Jimmy Carter's National Security Advisor for four years. He was a member of the Trilateral Commission and other globalist groups who are bent to do these things. Here's, uh, uh, Brzezinski along with his old friend Henry Kissinger. Kissinger served in the United States as a Secretary of State, National Security Advisor, served at the UN. Through the decades, the most powerful people in the world were chosen or invited to become part of globalist meetings. And if the globalists believe that they can help uh, help the cause, they want to bring them in, treat them like the good old boys that they know more and they know better than any of the rest of us because they're not beholden to any single one nation. I want you to see this next quote from David Rockefeller. This is powerful. He said, we are... Grateful. Look at this. He are great. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promise of discretion. Wow. Think about that. He said for almost 40 years this has happened. It would have been impossible for us, the globalists, to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the lights of publicity during those years, but the world is more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. The supernatural supernatural sovereignty of an intellectual elite and global bankers or world bankers is surely preferable to the national determination practiced in past centuries. In other words, your vote shouldn't count. That's what he's saying. And believe me, just because he passed away, that thought and those feelings continue right on. Brzezinski said, we cannot leap into world government in one quick step. The precondition for genuine globalization is progressive regionalization. And that's exactly what's been taking place. The world is being conditioned by the globalists, and they are watching to see what is working. Globalists watch for a crisis to exploit, to advance their cause. Rahm Emanuel wasn't the first one to think that up. Remember when he said, "We just want—we don't want to let a crisis go to waste." He was uh, President Clinton's chief of staff. So, or President Obama—I'm sorry, chief of staff. So, some globalist organizations very, very quickly—just to name a few: the United Nations, the European Union, the World Economic Forum—the most powerful people in the world meeting in Davos, Switzerland, each year. The Council on Foreign Relations, which are only United States citizens, the Trilateral Commission, which are all, all around the world, and the Bilderberger Society. There's just a few of the groups who are trying to bring this same thing to pass. By the way, I think we ought to relocate the UN. I'll show you where it should be. This is the UN relocation uh, idea I've got. This is a project they should work on. To move the UN out to where this arrow is or this line is going to stop, <laughs> At probably about uh, 10,000 feet deep. That's where the UN belongs, not on our shores. (laughs) I just love making maps like that. Anyway, these are some of the things we're facing. We don't have just one problem. Look at this: energy dependence, skyrocketing inflation, border security. Open borders is what Soros wants. Military readiness. Is our military ready for for a challenge? The government debt that we have, the borrowing and the spending that's out of of sight. Higher taxes, more regulation, crime and violence. Government failure to enforce their own laws. That's not all. That's just the first slide. Okay, I understand. Then we have election fraud, the threat to the Second Amendment, the climate change hoax, proliferation of drug use, promotion of anti-biblical values, socialism and wokeness, education and the lack of free speech or the squashing of free speech. Those are the things we're facing. Government confiscation of wealth is coming. That's what they want. They believe that they can stop people by taking away their resources. The exact same thing that happened in Ottawa, Ontario this week. To be able to stop a peaceful demonstration and shut up the free speech of people that they disagreed with, is exactly what Trudeau did. And, uh, there's a little story behind that. I'll hopefully get to it in a little while. And then we redistribute the wealth in the name of equity. How many times have we heard that word equity recently as we're, as we're watching the news? See, we have confrontations with China and Russia and Iran and perhaps others. And these are real world issues that are concerning us. Who would want to be president to have to handle all that? I didn't have to say it, you all were thinking it. Of course. This is the alt left at work. And globalists can think of nothing except how to manipulate problems for their advantage. I hate to do this, but I gotta ask, what time do we have right now? Because I I don't know. And I how much time do I have? That's the big question. What I have twenty-six minutes. Some Okay, great. I'm doing better than I thought. Maybe I can add a few more slides in there. i got a list right here. So the globalists can think of nothing else except how to manipulate problems to their advantage. That is their driving mindset, and you need to understand that. Short of a catastrophic war or an asteroid striking the planet, I can't conceive of any scenario more ideal and fitting for globalism to spring forward than a good old pandemic. And believe me, they have seen it like that. It is the crisis they've long dreamed about. And you're seeing the intro to one of the videos that we did back in, in 2020, globalism in the midst of a pandemic. And I predicted some of the things that they have done. And I also just reported on what I knew that they would be doing. We are on the verge of global transformation, said David Rockefeller. All we need is the right major crisis and the nations will accept the new world order. Boy, is that ever true. Is that ever true, including sadly America, because people here want want their comforts above everything else. Not all, it's it's not that COVID-19 wasn't serious, especially for the most vulnerable. My wife has all kinds of conditions, chronic fatigue syndrome for 30 years, diabetic. Uh, we've done everything possible to keep her away from stores. I've done all the shopping because of, of uh, the problems she had, plus her recent health problems. But See, we've been manipulated into into giving up our lives. Fear has controlled us. The way things have been announced in the news, the constant drumbeat of people are dying, we're all going to die, we're all going to get it. I've heard people say, we're all going to get coronavirus at some point. That's not true. That is simply not true. But we've been manipulated into being fearful. My purpose here today is not to address the coronavirus pandemic in any any depth anyway, but I'd be remiss not to point out how the prominent globalists that I've detailed so far and that I've detailed even more extensively in the video series back in 2020 may have had inside information about how it was coming. They may have known ahead. Bill Gates announced on Friday that the pandemic was getting better, but there was another one coming. How can he say that? How can he make that kind of statement in that way? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I do know in that my he has beyond Watch this. COVID-19, how to respond in the days ahead. I laid out some framework and some ideas, suggestions for us as Christians and what we can do as we look forward beyond the COVID-19 pandemic that we're currently experiencing right now. And in that update, I stated the world is being tested and also conditioned and the globalists are watching to see how we will respond. You know, there is no doubt that the left, the globalists, the extreme left, they are, they are stinging right now because of the, of the way they were defeated in 2016. Uh, Donald Trump gave them a, a shellacking and they want to take ground back, the, the ground that they lost back in 2016. We know that for sure. They are certainly right now laying in wait for any opportunity to take advantage. And the COVID-19 pandemic is just such a crisis that they can try to use. There is certainly good reason to believe that a discussion of the globalist and Bill Gates in particular is very apropos right now considering the coronavirus pandemic and the fact that he has been so much in the news as of late. Many years ago, Bill Gates began chanting the mantra of the New World Order, He wasn't just a face in the crowd, but his enormous wealth gave him acceptance as a key member of the elite globalist faculty. No matter what humanitarian venture Gates brings funding to, there is always a globalist endgame in play. He's a true believer and capable of making a difference toward building that promised utopian new world order. Time and time again, Gates has called for a new world order, a one-world government, and endorsed globalist talking points, particularly in 2014 and 15. And that brings me to what I really want to talk about, and that but is a carefully. tabletop exercise to examine preparedness in case of global pandemic. It was held October 18, 2019. I would say that that's Pretty interesting timing, but I'll continue to read now. That was October 18th, 2019, and hosted with partners, the World Economic Forum, which is a globalist enclave, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Gates has worked with John Hopkins numerous times and made a large contributor with them. What a coincidence this would happen, that they would have this kind of an exercise. Uh, it was a room with a huge table, about 50 or so individuals around it, and a lot of observers around them, as they would discuss if we were ready for a pandemic, such as we're seeing right now. Now, why would he be talking about that just back in October? Hmm. A representative from Johnson & Johnson brought forward an old standby or familiar solution during Event 201. This is that they need a centralized global economy, an authority to be in charge of funding and procuring vaccines for various nations in crisis. And that was an opinion, of course, that they thought would solve a pandemic. Again, oddly enough, this took place right before the COVID-19 pandemic took place. This was a three-and-a-half-hour tabletop simulation. It was all about stopping a novel coronavirus. That was the 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 crux or the object of this particular exercise. And they said it would kill millions of people worldwide. And I say, again, the timing was certainly interesting. But uh, I'm not going to push that point too much, maybe only two or three more times during this particular update. So it, there's a little confusion there. Bill Gates put together Event 201 before coronavirus hit about what we should do if a pandemic should strike. And then the next thing that happened was a pandemic struck. Now, I'm going to skip a whole bunch of stuff. I, I have pictures of of men who were thought to be antichrist, like Hitler and others. And I'm going to bypass all those I'm going to tell you, the Antichrist could be alive today, but we don't know that for sure. I don't know who it might be. At one point, I thought it might be Bill Gates, but he's not likable enough. And so I I don't think that's going to happen. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum has a school for globalists. By the way, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's finance minister, she's the deputy prime minister of Canada, is a graduate of Klaus Schwab's School for Globalists. She's the one without court orders who are freezing bank accounts and taking uh, 18-wheelers away from people and that kind of stuff.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Sunday Sermons. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has recently started a second podcast called The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for The Anchor Bible Study. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.